That sound, my friends, is uh, an Ace Hill Pilsner opening up episode 399 of the Android Central Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. This week, I'm joined by Andrew Martinick Fresh off a plane from San Jose and Jerry Hildenbrand. Yes. Fresh off. Fresh. Always, always fresh. fresh. <laughs> always fresh. That's fresh off a dinner table. That's, uh, that's a joke for our Canadians listening. Um, Andrew, Jerry, we we are gathered here today to talk about. Uh, I do. Uh, <laughs> I love you too. He's cute. I've seen Andrew and, and Daniel. Both of them. They, they'd make a fine wow. catch. All right. Well, uh, we'll we'll put off that uh, particular ceremony until <laughs> after the show because we have a couple of pieces of technology to espouse. The LG V40 ThinQ and the W7 Watch; those two products were announced Not ThinQ. last didn't, week. Didn't ThinQ at all. Um, and we will then talk about uh, what I'm sure everybody on the podcast wants to hear: the Google Pixel Three and Pixel Three XL. They were announced today. Uh, full disclosure, Andrew: we are in the past right now. We are recording this. Whoa. Late on Friday night, October 5th, but you'll be hearing this on October 9th. Why are we doing that, Andrew? Because you have some thoughts that are fresh in your mind from your recent briefing with Google. Yeah, no better time than the present to to kind of brain dump about the, the Pixel 3 and Pixel 3 XL. But um, if I do that, then I'll forget about the V40, and I do have thoughts on the V40. You reviewed the V40. Yes, because that was just this week. That was a thing that happened. So the company actually didn't mess up the launch because we often say that LG doesn't know how to launch a phone. LG didn't really mess up anything, which is great. So tell us about it. They gave you this phone about a week in advance. They let you use it and review it. And when uh, the phone was announced, you basically put out your review and it was pretty positive. Yeah, I had to I had to kind of catch myself a couple times because you know, you lose perspective sometimes when you're going through a review process and you don't think about the rest of the market and all that, but even when I was talking to uh our colleague Michael Fisher, Mr. Mobile who was also reviewing it, we kind of were bouncing a couple ideas off of each other and we couldn't come up with a ton of bad things to say about it, which is a good start. And it turned out that we could also just really like we were okay with everything that LG was doing. I mean, there were a couple arguments to be had about specific little things, but when you start arguing about the details, it's a sign that the overall phone, the overall product is really good. And that was kind of the lens that I was going through with my review that LG made a really, really good phone that kind of split the difference between a galaxy S nine plus and a Galaxy Note mm-hmm. 9. Yeah. Um, and and the, to me, that sounds like um, kind of the best of both worlds, if, if you're talking about mm-hmm. what you want from a flagship in late 2018. Right. It, it went larger with a bigger display, but obviously it didn't include an S Pen. It didn't go with a big battery. Um, part of that, from LG's perspective, was to cut down on thickness and weight, which it did considerably cut down on thickness and weight. Um, but I think that the it it's smart just from a perspective that it's more mainstream that way because you don't have to think about 
you know, you don't have to try to pitch the stylus thing. LG wasn't going to come out of nowhere with that. It's way to market to kind of power users or whatever is massive screen, all the specs and all of these cool camera things with their, you know, Penta camera or five camera rig they're talking about. And that is a differentiator. I think the question here is how much more of a differentiator is it than the Galaxy S9 Plus, which is, uh, we should say, $150 less. Yeah. And, you know, Jerry, like we've talked this through over 2018 about every phone from every company is pretty good, right? You're not going to find a dud among them. I mean, right. I'm, you know, we're looking forward to the Razer Phone 2 next week. That phone is, you know, it's like even a phone in its second generation, or if you were to expect like an essential phone two tomorrow, right? We're expecting, we don't, but if the, if it was happening, you know, you'd expect <laughs> it to be a decent product. And unless you're brand new in this business, and there aren't that many companies that are brand new anymore, you're not making a bad product. You're just making degrees of great. And I wonder, is LG in this stasis right now where it can create the best possible product its engineers and marketing team can come up with and still not get anywhere close i mean five cameras that's a big selling point right yeah uh if they do something cool it is yes and you know it looks like they do something cool okay Uh, you know i'll give it that this this looks like one of lg's best phones that's I'll tell you, it's probably, L- not even probably, it is LG's best ever phone. And, and that's, unfortunately, that's not going to move the needle. Okay. Because it's not, it doesn't say Samsung or Apple on the back. Right. Yeah. And that's I, that, where we're that's, at. And that's such a, it's so weird because we're talking about LG here that used to try weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And we kind of panned them for trying weird stuff that didn't work. I mean, there there is a problem of execution uh, that really did it differentiated them, but it didn't differentiate them positively. It differentiated them like <laughs> they tried this weird stuff while Samsung made this turn at the Galaxy S six, you would say, or at least the the Note five that they made this turn to just making solid phones, getting rid of the gimmicks, especially in the hardware. And LG took a little longer to get along that path. And now they've come around to the point where they're just making the exact same phone as Samsung, but they're so they're just too far behind in brand recognition that it, it doesn't really matter as much. Well, but this, that's not fair to say this is the same. Oh, it's definitely not fair (laughs) because this does have a very unique identifying characteristic and you can look at it on the back and see three phones or three phones, three cameras right across the back. And then when you get curious and you open up the camera software and start playing with it, you say, wow, that's pretty cool. And it just bugs the daylights out of me that nobody's going to care. Yeah, and I should I should give them more credit there. The, the cameras are fun. Like, I think that that was a common thread through my review, through a lot of the reviews. Like, they're fun to shoot with. You get a lot of different options. 
the quality may not quite be there, but you're willing to just deal with that because it's fun to shoot with these things. And LG's done a good job with the software. But th- there is a little bit more to the phone. Uh, I think the software is better than Samsung's, which is hilarious to say now that LG is doing software better than Samsung. But they've mm. cleaned up the software a lot. The performance is really good. The battery is right on par with the Galaxy S9 Plus. So there is there, there is a little more to it. Uh, I I'll, I'll take back a little bit of what I said there, Jerry. I, the the display. I've I've everybody says the display is is good. Is it good enough? I'm going to ask you, yes. Andrew. You had it in your hands, so there's nothing not to like here, except maybe yeah. the size. But and that's just it's that's not good for any company that makes phones to see a product this great that's not going to move 10 million units. At least in America. Let me, you know, put that in there. In in Korea, it'll probably move a a few more. And if you're going to talk about markets and moving units, uh, it's really telling that LG uh, launched this phone in New York. They specifically launched it in the U.S. and South Korea simultaneously. Didn't make announcements about Europe or other markets. because LG. They're they're, they're mm-hmm. very much yeah they're very much locking in on the two places where they actually have some sort of a foothold and I think that you can I mean there are some people in LG that are fist pumping pretty hard that they got the V thirty V thirty the V forty thank you in the top five U.S. carriers and it's going to be on shelves yeah. it's on you know and it's available next week uh, there there's something to be said for that uh, from LG's perspective, that's an improvement. They're really happy to do that, but it is an admission there that they don't have a snowball's chance in hell in Europe. All right. So let's back up a little bit, Andrew. Um, Let's talk about the fundamentals of this phone and go back to those. I I think the two most important things, the screen and the cameras. Mm -hmm. So uh, we talked a little bit about the screen. You said it's really good. But we know last year that the V30 and the Pixel 2 shared a similar, if not identical, P OLED panel. They were l- both lambasted. The P30, the V30 is slightly less so. I don't know why, but um, they weren't great, right? I just it was, think nobody paid attention to the V30. I think that's the only reason why. Enough. So it was the first of LG's OLED phones. Um, it was mm-hmm. announced a couple of weeks before the Pixel 2 XL, which had the same display. Um, they were criticized for um, poor color reproduction, for blue shift, for brightness or lack thereof, for basically everything. Um, we knew that in you know after the phone came out, it um, was made uh, public that LG had just struggled to get its new OLED manufacturing facilities online in time that they wanted to do it by mid 2017 and they just couldn't do it. There were delays. Those two production facilities have now opened. And as you know, you said the screens are great, but are they Samsung great or are they kind of just like decent LCD quality? Great. Well, yeah, there's definitely something to be said for the fact that when the bar is pretty low, it's, you know, <laughs> it's pretty easy to, to overachieve, but the they're not Samsung great. Nobody in the business is Samsung great. 
look at a Note 9, you cannot deny that it's a, it's an amazing best-in-class display, uh, but it's close. It's like 90% there. Um, it's 100% there, and to my eyes, in terms of uh, accuracy, color shift, um, those kinds of, of metrics, it's, it's there. It's not 100% there in brightness range in terms of at night, getting really, really dim, it doesn't quite get there like the GS9 Plus and the Note 9 do. During the day, direct sunlight, it gets really bright, but it doesn't quite get as like nuclear bright as the Note 9 does when you really need it to. It is way better than the phone you're using now, unless you're using a GS9 Plus or a Note 9. Um, it, that's good. I mean, that that is totally fine. The fact that it's number two-ish, you know, it's right underneath the uh, the GS9 Plus and Note 9 is plenty. It, it means that it is no longer a worry, you know, for somebody that's buying a V40 they can or considering it. It's better than the G7 screen. It's way better than the V30. And, you know, we'll talk about the Pixel 3, Pixel 3 XL later. But in terms of just on the V40, it is a really, really good display that's that's befitting this price. Yeah. And and price like there you go. You look at the you look at the phone and it has a notch, whatever. Um, You either love that. This notch really, but it really doesn't bother me simply because it's 19.5 by nine aspect ratio. The notch is so far up there that you're you wouldn't have had this amount of screen. You know, like you they just added to the top of the phone. They didn't take anything away from you. Don't worry. And it looks like people. the bezels are symmetrical. Is that true of the they phone? They are itself? symmetrical. Yes, they are symmetrical. And LG was at great pains to tell us that it was symmetrical because that's one of the things that some people like to point out that's um, very annoying about many other phones. Except for that big chunk that's essentially bezel that's up at the top. Yes, just like <laughs> the iPhone X, XS. Uh, it's, they, you know, LG wanted... It, here's the thing. I, you, you can laugh all you want about uh, equal bez- bezel sizes and all that, but it gives it a visual... Uh, symmetry that's really nice it's not something you perceive immediately it's not it's a subconscious kind of thing you look at the phone and you're like oh that's that's pleasant you look at the top corner and the bottom corner and there it's the same radius and the same uh same size it's it's kind of nice all right i see that so 6.4 inch qhd plus display 19.5 by 9 uh it's it's kind of like light for a big phone right yeah, it's uh, under a, just a hair under 170 grams, which is really light uh, for a phone of this size. That's uh, a smidge larger than a Galaxy S9 Plus, uh, but like something like 10 percent lighter, and it's uh, roughly 40 grams lighter than a Galaxy Note 9, which is a lot. Does that make um, it awkward to hold something that tall and that light? Uh. No, I wouldn't say awkward, but it does feel like it feels light. It feels lighter than 170 grams. It it feels. Does it feel too light for its price? Michael, uh, Mr. Mobile, really does not like how light it is. 
I understand that it's the it's the trade off. You either get the heft and it feels like it's this premium thing, or you get the benefit of the fact that you go to reach the phone, you reach you know the top third of the phone, and you can do it without feeling like the thing's going to slip out of your hand. I. You know, there's Samsung does it by, you know, curving that display to make it a little easier width wise. And LG is doing it with uh, thinness. It's, you know, like a millimeter, millimeter and a half thinner than most other phones and and lightness. The lightness does make a difference. I don't think that it's perceivable enough unless you're doing one of these, uh, you know, phone and left hand phone and right hand. And you're kind of tossing them back and forth (laughs) to get a feel for how heavy they are. Juggling. Uh, yeah, or juggling. Put a third one in there and, you know, you've got a $3,000 juggling. Act. I wonder if um, there are people who juggle really expensive phones and whether that would hey, be I, Guinness Book of World Record worthy. I I can juggle if we want to find out. Seriously, I, I can juggle. You've got phone boxes. Send me three uh, iPhone 10 or 10Ss <laughs> and... I'll go out on the porch with a few beers. Light and the boxes on we wouldn't fire. Have to yes. sacrifice anything important. You know, it would be <laughs> pretty easy to get rid of those. All right, let's talk cameras, Andrew. Three, three on the back, two on the front. Um, you know, w- what's the loadout here? Because that that's a lot of specs. Uh, I think we should quickly address the fronts, which I'm, uh, I think, are adequate, but are not befitting. Okay. Praise of like we have two cameras. They're two fixed focus cameras. I would take one autofocus camera over two fixed focus cameras any day of the week. And here's the reason why. I understand fixed focus on the wide angle camera. So this has a five megapixel regular camera and a eight megapixel. It might be the other way around. Eight megapixel main camera, five megapixel wide angle camera. Wide angle cameras often have fixed focus because it's so wide that it doesn't really matter. With a selfie camera, when you go wide angle, it inherently lets you keep your arm a little closer to your body while keeping everything in frame, you and your couple of friends. Fixed focus means that you're you're going to have soft faces in those photos unless you really get your arm out there. And that's that's kind of upsetting for this level of phone. Samsung does autofocus. Google does autofocus now. It it's autofocus would be nice. Front cameras over like selfie selfie crowd. Maybe look somewhere else. Rear cameras. It's like I said. It's really fun. And LG does this really well in the software. You get the three buttons at the top that let you go from telephoto to regular to wide angle. You can also just slide the shutter button up and down to zoom and it seamlessly switches between the three cameras as you zoom, which is exactly how normal people want to do it. You can also long press on any of those buttons on the viewfinder and get a live feed from all three cameras at once. If you're somebody that maybe isn't super, you know, photographically inclined and doesn't quite understand the difference in the field of view, you can see all three. And then you can switch to triple shot. You can take in succession, telephoto, regular, wide. Now, the what? Yeah. D- describe what's unique about each of these cameras because all three of them are there for a reason. It, so here's, so this is my next point that the the problem is, they're unique in their focal depth and their field of view, but they're not unique in that you really don't want to shoot with 
two of them at <laughs> night. Okay. So the wide angle is the same as the G7, and the telephoto is a similar sensor. It's lower resolution, uh, but it's still a one micron pixel sensor with no OIS and an F2.6, I believe, lens. You don't want to shoot with either one of those at night because they're so bad compared to the main camera. We'll get to that main camera in a moment. So that uniqueness kind of goes away because you don't want to use them in low lighting. So you're kind of stuck, if you want to put it that way, with the main camera in low light. So it kind of cuts back on the uniqueness of the situation because you can't seamlessly switch between the three like you can in, in the daylight, which is kind of upsetting because I love the wide angle camera. I just, I wish that every single phone had that wide angle view, even as it stands today. I'm okay with it. Not having OIS fixed focus. I just love the wide angle lens and what it lets you do. The, the problem is when it's uh, the quality is not up to the, up to the speed, up to the level of the main camera, which really uh, took a big step forward from the G7. They put an entirely new sensor in there that's 40% larger. Uh, They kept OIS. They dropped the lens to f1.5. The main camera is really good. The secondary ones just don't support it the way that that it deserves. Okay, so I I get that, and I appreciate where you're coming from, but those are very much like secondary function cameras like they're not meant to be used in the dark or with action well i i I suppose so but i i will give you that with the law the telephoto because the telephoto is clearly there just i mean primarily for portrait mode to be able to give you the depth effect and be able to be part of triple shot to do their weird like ominous zoom gif feature but the wide angle one, like you can't tell me that you wouldn't appreciate having the wide angle camera when you're taking a photo of a group of people like in a bar or, you know, at dinner with family members or something like that. And it just falls on its face in those situations. Yeah, I mean, it's an F1.9 lens, one micron pixels uh, for the ultra wide, but there is no autofocus, right? There's no, this is standard LG. They've been doing this for three generations now. Um, But at the same time, most situations you'll find yourself in, you'll use the main camera for low light. And this one is, it's a bigger sensor. It's a wider aperture. It's better OIS, better autofocus. Yeah, the main camera's good. This is the first LG camera that I've been willing to kind of take. I haven't seen it, but I mean, I'm sure that the specs put it against any flagship today, you know? So, uh, yeah, after the review finished, I've continued to use the phone. I'm still using it uh, for all of the other factors we talked about. But I'm I'm still using it because that camera is really good. The the main shots, I don't feel like I need to touch them up all that often. The wide-angle shots, sometimes they're a little rough, but... You know, I use Google Photos. You just hit the auto adjust. It does a really good job. And, you know, I'm sharing them out. So I do like the camera experience overall. Well, my, my takeaway from it is somebody who's, who's never seen it and maybe never will. Everybody that reviewed it 
they all had positive things to say about the cameras and yeah. the, the pictures that it takes. You don't see that very often. We like to nitpick. And I don't mean just here at AC or Mobile Nations. I mean, everybody who, who does mobile for a living, we love to nitpick. Yeah, we're supposed to nitpick, right? Because our job is to right, tell you right. which phone to buy. And I and everybody was unanimous that these, Andrew said fun, and that's a great way to describe it. It seemed like everybody had fun playing with the cameras. Yeah. So my thing is with LG phones, and even with the G7, which was and has been till now the best phone LG's ever made, I always found there was jank in the camera app. It just is like transitioning between the standard and wide cameras would stutter, it would sometimes crash. The experience wasn't great. Manual mode was like feature filled, but it wasn't intuitive. Whereas I found with Samsung, the company's really figured out how to make a camera app that just works. I know Alex has complained, some others have complained that the Note 9's camera app is unreliable or that it crashes. I haven't had any of those problems. I have found the Note 9 to be super, super steady really reliable. I double tap the power button. It opens in a millisecond. I take the photo and I'm done. It's been probably the most reliable Android camera ever because as we'll talk about with the Pixel, the Pixel has the best camera in Android. The camera app has been a dumpster fire. Um, So, you know, I just found with LG, like I can't rely on the camera app enough to really enjoy using the camera. And have you found that to be different on the V40? Uh, I, I will say it's been the only issue I've had. So I haven't had any issues switching between cameras, modes, manual mode, capturing photos. It's not fast to open the double press. First of all, the double press power to open it is not on by default. It's set to double press volume down to open it, which that's the most LG thing to ever LG ever. (laughs) Well, here's the, here's the thing. It's a holdover from when the power button was the fingerprint sensor, and they just haven't changed the <laughs> yeah, software. Yeah, because this is see, they, because you you couldn't double press the the fingerprint sensor. This is the same LG that when you start up the V forty, it yes. says, "Do not remove the yes. battery." This is like they haven't had removable batteries in three years. I, I don't understand. Like this is the same company that when we were in in um, Korea earlier this year said that they, said they spend thousands of hours optimizing android for its for its phones and yet they can't remove a warning that comes on literally the first time you 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 op- you turn on the phone to not remove a non-removable battery like i, I don't understand lg sometimes <laughs> I'm, i so, got well, i got to interrupt you guys i have been and andrew can attest to this i've been an lg fan from the beginning back when their phones were just steaming piles uh, 3D phones, all that nonsense. I always said, once they get the software sorted out, these phones are going to be great. And if that's the biggest problem that they left in a dialogue, good job. No, LG. it's not, Jerry. I knew you had it in you. And I will tell you Dude. what it is, because Andrew will back me up oh, on this. They okay. don't have the gesture to open the navigation bar with the fingerprint sensor like any other yeah. manufacturer should. This is this is like <laughs> did, table stakes, guys. What is did wrong? Did you ever use you the V10? To... If you've ever used the V10, you're thankful that an LG fingerprint <laughs> sensor just works. You don't even look uh, at specials <laughs> like that. You have to put that stupid button down in the navigation bar to get it to work. Yeah, but, that's so, that's LG. You can fix that. You so have all the hardware. The camera, 
really quickly, the the camera app is just slow to open sometimes. They're not doing the smart thing that Samsung's doing where they really prioritize just locking the camera into RAM and it's just available all the time. They figured that out around the Note 5 era where you could double press the home button to do it. LG still doesn't have that. If you've opened it recently, it's good. If you haven't opened it lately, you do the double press power button and you're like, did, did it open? Did it not? And a lot of times you second guess mm. yourself and you do another double press and then you get in this weird situation where the camera launched and then you turned off the turned off the screen because you pressed the power button. Kind of a, a weird situation. Right. So, yeah. Re- refresh my memory. Was the G7 that way? That's what uh, Daniel experienced. Okay. Yeah. Just, I'm wondering if we should blame Android in the way it now kills apps or LG for... Well, either way, it's LG's no. It's baby, not. So. It's I. I, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I mean, this is Oreo. I mean, here's the thing, right, Jerry? You've made this so many. You've said this so many times. The more Android matures, the more opaque some of its built-in features are, and right. and there are right. so many. Like what you when you look at something like on the Pixel, I mean, the Pixel. Like I can I can put my SIM card in the Pixel two today, and. For the first hour, I'll love it, and then I'll try to open the camera and have the camera app just stop midway through taking a photo. And I'm like, if if Google can't figure it out, how are we going to expect LG to yeah. figure it out? So I don't know. I mean, I, I give LG the benefit of the doubt here, but it's still not a great experience from user perspective. No, it's like I said, it's still LG's name is on the back, so... I, I so I think that that all comes down to the the nine hundred and eighty dollar question is oh. how can LG have these kinds of shortcomings? Like we can argue about the like oh well I like the software design a little bit more on you know this phone or that phone, but are people going to put up with that kind of stuff if that's in like the public consciousness when they go into Verizon, the V40 is $980. No. They go into AT&T, it's $950. They go into T-Mobile, it's $920. I mean, this is a really expensive phone versus uh, I think the public perception generally is that the Galaxy S9 Plus, you double press the power button and the camera opens. Yeah, I guess so. But okay, so here's... uh, Let's back up for a second because this will come... This will be relevant when we talk about the Pixel 3. Um the the price of the phone and we get pushback on this all the time and i want to i want to acknowledge our readers our our viewers and everybody who writes into podcast at android central please do if you ever have any feedback about the way that we talk about phone prices because we talk about the msrp and that's the price you pay when you buy it unlocked or if you buy it outright very few people especially in the us buy these phones that way this is 35 or 40 dollars a month right this is not 980 dollars and 920 dollars and i think it's important for us to acknowledge that because i would guess that anybody buying this phone in the u.s is not going to have the experience of having to come to terms with a 980 dollar price tag yeah I'll, I'll give you that especially when lg because it has all these carrier partnerships this time around is not talking about unlocked phones um, they're they're not in that business, right. and and I, though if if we didn't do that, the phones wouldn't cost nine hundred and eighty dollars. But that's they'd cost they'd cost six hundred dollars. <laughs> that's true. I mean, we are <laughs> we're building that into the price, 
but it is Back the price day, nonetheless. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's important to put it into context about this is the same price as a Note 9, right? It's only slightly less. Right, it, but it's it's the same monthly payment as a Note 9 or a new iPhone, and nobody's going to buy it, period. And And especially when they see tiny little things like that on their friends who did buy one. And that's something LG has to get under control if it ever does want to break out of this Samsung Apple duopoly in North America thing mm. that's going on. But that does show just how cutthroat it is, where it could be a situation where you're $35 a month and somebody else is $30 a month. Yeah. And people just, people say, well, that's considerably cheaper. And, yeah. you know, they want to put it on there. That that's a it's a I mean the carrier game is is really tough. I mean we'll get into this back into this discussion with the Pixel three and three XL because temper your expectations for pricing. Yeah, and and that's that's actually a really good point. So I I, I want to move the conversation along because as much as I enjoy talking about the V forty, I think the the you know the the prime cut of this of this episode is the Pixel three. And if anybody's listening to the show still, you know that they, they may not have skipped ahead. I appreciate it. Um, but let's, let, you know, we'll talk about the carriers because I, I want to actually say, like, it's important, especially in light of the fact that the Pixel 3 is only available on Verizon still, that this is available at AT&T, T-Mobile, Sprint, and Verizon, and U.S. Cellular, yep. and, US Cellular. and Unlocked, right? And this is, this yeah. is a, a very, anyway very wide it. availability, especially given the fact that LG has is announcing this only a week and a half before it's going on sale, October 18th. This is the fastest turnaround we've ever seen from the company. And I don't know, man. I mean, props to LG for getting their ass together because, God, if this is the future of LG's releases, I am I am down for it. Yep. Same. And seeing the... LG and Sprint used to have a great relationship and seeing this could be the phone to buy on Sprint. Let's let's be honest. No, here. there's no phones no, to Brian Sprint, but that's fine. I, I'll I'll, well, let, I'll let you continue uh, your, your your sentence. Uh, <laughs> uh, you you have you have such a bigger selection on AT and T and T Mobile. Verizon has is they're going to push the 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 Pixel in your face for a few weeks, and then whatever they're supposed to be pushing for those few weeks. Sprint's a little more laid back. This could be the phone to buy if you're a Sprint customer. Make sure you look at it. And and this will be my final point on the V40 because you brought up Sprint. If you're someone that is going to buy a phone on Sprint, uh, people exist that are doing these things. Sprint has a situation where you can lease the thing for like $15 a month. Well, there you, you can go. Get, uh, you know, you can get a V40 for the same price as like a pre-owned Galaxy S8. It's like buy the, you know, buy, lease the V40. They, you know, these kinds of deals are what move phones having like a 65% off or whatever it is, lease deal on a V40 for 12 or 18 months is what's more important to people than, you know, talking about all the specifics there. And um, if you do pre-order it from any of the carriers, you get a free DJI Osmo Mobile 2 gimbal, which is uh, hundred and fifty dollars on Ooh. its own, and you get Those are nice a two hundred fifty six gig micro S, uh, micro SD card. Um, so okay, let me let me just walk you through the last like three seconds of my life. 
So I'm like halfway through this beer and uh, I said 256 gigabyte. And then part of my brain went, wait, are there micro SD cards that are actually 256 gigs? Because I doubted myself for a second. And then I was going to say 256 megabytes. And then I was like, wait a second. No, that's not right either. And this like, the, like the 10 year old in me, just my, his mind exploded at the fact that you can buy a 256 gigabyte micro SD card. I just want to put that out there because that's amazing. Um, Insight. So yeah, I think it's a pretty good pre-order deal. And I don't know if anybody's going to be disappointed with this phone because damn those cameras. But Andrew, tell us about this Verizon exclusive Moroccan blue finish thing because that makes Uh. me more excited than the phone itself. So this is the evolution of those the the matte glass versions of the G7. Uh it's but it's nicer and it lo- it just looks better. So all of the as far as I know all of the review devices of the V40 were Aurora black which is your typical kind of color changey a little bit black but with a gloss finish on it. Fingerprinty to the moon and back. And the Moroccan blue one on top of being kind of this blue turquoise teal green color shifting thing has this etched glass back on it. That's a matte finish. One downside makes the phone really slippery because part of what those fingerprint, you know, the fingerprints do is they help make the phone kind of tacky with the glass and, you know, you can actually hold it fine trade off in my opinion, because the Moroccan blue is beautiful. It doesn't get smudged up by your fingerprints. And uh, I think it has a little bit of grip to it. Maybe you'll have some troubles with this size of phone. It's exclusive to Verizon with no uh, stated end date to that. So that's a, that is the one, I mean, it's crazy that it comes down to this, but this is the one complaint with LG's launch of the V40. That's like a serious shrug emoji right there. Yeah. Oh, I take back everything nice I said. (laughs) All right. Let's talk a little bit about the W7. This is a a, um, smartwatch that the company announced. And Russell's watch. (laughs) Russell's stupid watch is the name of this podcast episode. Um, All right. So this this is a, a Wear OS watch that comes with physical hands in front of or behind rather a full touch rounded um oled display running wear os 2.1 so and it, and it costs 450 dollars um uh, goodbye Nick. yeah like this is the most <laughs> doa thing i could have imagined lg announcing and yet part of me is like i kind of want it but i don't know why can you explain that andrew uh I cannot explain why you want it, but I can explain the watch. Uh, it's it's a tech like it's a tech achievement. The fact that they have this separated LCD situation where it's a non-touch LCD with the hole in the middle that has hands going around it like a mechanical watch, and then they have the touch layer up against the crystal uh, on the top, the glass on the top is technologically very cool the the function of the thing the fact that the trade-off for this is no gps no nfc no heart rate no optional lte 
it's just a watch. And the fact that the watch hands are now in the way of you using the screen but, but no, is no, 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 a no, downside. No, 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 because they do jumping jacks. Yes, yeah, so you push the uh, side button that's at the 3 o'clock position, you press and hold it, and it moves the hands out of the way best they can for what's on the screen. So if it's like a notification for a message, it'll put them to 3 and 9 o'clock so that you can read above and below the hands. Or if you're trying to look at uh, a, something with more of a dial interface, it'll move them both to high noon <laughs> and get it out of the way best it can. You still have this limitation of the physical hands there. But I understand that what LG is trying to address here is that some people don't need a smartwatch that's like a Galaxy watch that's trying to be there for your fitness, with G, you know GPS right. tracking for your runs and continuous heart rate and swim proof and it does you know plays YouTube videos and lets you type on a keyboard on it and all this stupid stuff that nobody in great numbers wants to do. LG is addressing the fact that there are some people that will pay four hundred whatever dollars four hundred fifty dollars for a smartwatch that gives you some extra features, but is primarily just a timepiece. It just has some extra smart stuff. This is not the product that's going to make people jump for joy and get that thing. But if they happen to stick with it or take some of this technology and put it forward into future smartwatches, it's a, it's a really cool thing. Yeah. That's, that's the, the separating of the digitizer from the, you know, the, the LCD itself. That's really cool. This is LG of old, right? This is weird. Right. And it's that's weird. Well, but it's LG of old. <laughs> there's, you could put that, you know, in a standalone daydream headset or any number of places. You could have a, imagine a daydream headset with a little square touchpad on the side that interacts with the display. That's the first thing I thought of. And maybe that's because I'm weird, but there's no reason not to do it. LG has figured out how to register touches uh, using two separate components. But as as a product now, right. Daniel, I do not understand no, why no, you I mean, want look, this. I want it to try and then promptly send back. I don't want to spend 450 mm. of my own dollars on it. And um, moreover, I think it's a bad idea for LG to have released this before Snapdragon Wear 3100 comes out. I don't that. understand the reasoning behind this. It, it seems like a rushed product to some extent, even though they, ha- they haven't released a Wear OS device in a co- since the, the LG Watch Style and Sport, which are, what, almost two years old? So, yeah, it's like 20 I months old. I don't get it, man. I dug my LG Watch Sport out and found out that my Project Fi SIM card's been in it, and every time it gets turned <laughs> on, it's been using data. RIP. <laughs> it's, it's just a weird thing altogether i it's clearly it's some kind of partnership with google to show that this is a thing that can be done why lg is bothering releasing as a product because they will sell approximately 17 of these worldwide (laughs) and is just russell will buy 15 as christmas gifts (laughs) yeah well i guess uh you know I, i i guess we know then what is what's smart and what's not smart right 
plain. Yeah, we figured that out. We we pretend we know. So I mean, we we miss everyone. What, what's what's not smart is buying a Wear OS phone or a Wear OS watch right now before Wear OS or before Snapdragon Wear thirty one hundred comes out. Uh, you could have stopped it. What's not smart is buying a Wear OS watch, <laughs> and I would have agreed with you. What's What's not smart is lining up overnight to buy an iPhone. 10s right nobody needs to buy one of these phones right now especially if you're lining up lining up overnight or you know waiting for a phone that you're probably going to be disappointed in uh and and what is smart and, and this is where i get into the ad read guys so bear with me what is smart is ziprecruiter.com slash acp because you want to hire the right person when you are trying to find a candidate for your next job. And ZipRecruiter does not depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply. So you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S., which comes from Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. So right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash ACP. That is the easiest URL in the world to remember. We're not making you remember more than three letters. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash ACP, ZipRecruiter.com slash ACP, ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. That's right. If you don't use ZipRecruiter, you could end up with somebody like me working for you. You're fired. I'm firing you live on this podcast, Jerry. I'm sorry it's waited this long, but we're doing that. Then, I, then I'm not going to be afraid to say ACP stands for Android Clown Posse, oh, right? damn it. You weren't supposed to say that. <laughs> um, also, also, Jerry... Uh, I'm gonna make you wear yes a an LG W7 for the rest of uh, uh, <laughs> the time that you're employed with us. So I'm sorry. All right, let's let's go uh, let's go back to Andrew. Let's go back to to Mountain View, California. Let's talk about the Pixel Three and Pixel Three XL. Um, just just so everybody knows, as I said, we're recording this after Andrew gets back from from his briefing on Friday. He's used the phone. He's used both phones extensively. We've all done lots of mm-hmm. kind of background on it. We all know as much as we can about the phones. But we will do a supplemental podcast this week after the event to go over everything else that was announced, including all of the non-Pixel phone stuff. Um, so if you're listening to this and you're like, why aren't they talking about X product it's because we haven't seen it yet, and we will get you. Don't worry. But, Andrew, that being said, you know yeah. and you've seen and you've held and you've talked to Google all about the Pixel 3 and Pixel 3 XL. Tell us about these products. So if you were somebody that wasn't paying attention to the many of the leaks or you were holding out hope that there was you know, some altogether new, like, Boom, bombshell, head explosion kind of new stuff. Uh, you're, you're mistaken. These, these phones are very 
very iterative on the Pixel 2 and Pixel 2 XL. But it's iterative, in my opinion, iterative in all of the right areas. They made the improvements that needed, absolutely had to be done. They didn't change the stuff that they didn't feel was important to the, the overall experience. And I'm just, I love these things. They're, they're amazing phones. And it's, it's bonkers because, Daniel, you've tried to bring me back to earth here. The, the phones are, we just got done talking about how every, how every phone is kind of the same and there's not a lot of interesting stuff happening uh, between phones. It's all, every phone's great. But these, these phones are all about, just like the last two, which this shouldn't be a surprise, being greater than the sum of their parts. Yeah, and, and this is, I mean, we these phones have leaked so much that it's really, we knew going into this briefing exactly what we were getting. And yet the things that we didn't know were the sort of experiential things. Like you can look at the yeah. spec sheet and be like a 12.2 megapixel camera. The last two pixels have had that, right? And yet you look at the camera samples that they showed us and you're like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like how exactly did they yeah. get that photo that, that photo in pitch black uh handheld you know like it just doesn't make sense or the the fact that they are now using predictive computational photography to compensate for movement in in your hand when you're taking um a burst shot or you're trying to get that perfect photo and it's like predicting where your hand is going to be so that you get it, it, it like the technology here is is mind-blowing given that the sensor and the physics behind what's going on in the cameras are not that different from what happened last year so yeah so let's skip over the entire hardware story we'll get to it in a minute i think that we should jump into the camera because Google has this, I mean, public perception is, you know, the the public at large may not even know the Pixel exists, but the people that care have always consistently said, Pixel 2, Pixel 2 XL, ridiculously good camera. How does Google improve on that? Well, they're improving on it in software almost entirely. Uh, Hardware-wise, this is effectively the same sensor um, the only improvement that Google is touting in hardware, camera hardware, is that this new-ish version of this sensor has wider dynamic range capabilities in the hardware. And that that's all they're saying. Single lens, f1.8, uh, they're not doing all... It's like the anti-V40 in, in every respect. But what they're doing is Google is like flexing the software muscle big time. And in, in one small case, the hardware muscle. So the pixel visual core is here again, like the pixel two. And now it processes everything that the camera does. They finally figured out how to make this happen. The pixel visual core can process HDR plus 40% faster than the CPU. That means less time sitting there watching the circle you know, complete after taking a photo so that it can process. It means when you take burst photos or any of this intense stuff, it can all happen off the CPU, off the GPU on this special core uh, or this special chip. What that means is that Google is starting to use HDR plus like processing 
for basically everything. All of these new features I'm about to talk about are all about this HDR plus style processing. HDR plus stopped having anything to do with HDR, what, two iterations ago? That's just the name they've tagged on it. Basically, it means batch processing lots of frames of photos together to do different things. So the first example, like Daniel talked about, is what they're calling Night Sight. And this basically is a mode you switch to. And instead of using HDR plus processing to use lots of underexposed images to add dynamic range, you use a lot of overexposed images to add light to a photo. I saw some photos that were pretty bonkers. I want to see this for myself and see how it works in, in practice, because we're talking about physics here with a tiny, tiny sensor. But they're taking several frames and they're just focusing on processing them to improve light. We're talking about like middle of the night street lamps only kind of scenes that are made to look like 6 p.m. scenes, which is crazy with with colors and light and white balance. That's kind of more like the evening. It doesn't give you the crazy sharpening or the colors that we associate with HDR plus on the pixel two, but it just dramatically brightens the photos to take a photo that would normally not be useful at all because it would just be dark, dark, dark and make it completely usable and visible, which is just shows kind of where Google's mind is at here. Just enabling people to take these photos that just this wouldn't exist I mean, you can throw five cameras at this problem and it doesn't fix the fact that it a single sensor with a single lens or five individual sensors, the five individual lenses can't do this. You need the processing back end. Um, it's pretty amazing. Uh, the, the next level of this is what they call top shot, which is very similar to burst mode now in a Pixel 2 you press and hold the shutter button now, takes 30 photos or whatever, and then it picks the best one. Now you do that and it will suggest multiple frames if it finds multiple frames. And you don't have to explicitly press and hold. You just take a photo and you can look at the details of the photo and it'll say, well, maybe you want this one or that one. You select it. And it goes through HDR plus processing with all of the adjacent frames, just like you took an HDR plus photo. And it spits out the same quality photo as you would have if you just took the individual one and just pick that one. It's it's stuff that's all happening on the back end and you don't even have to to think about so, it. Hang, hang now, on. Let, let, let's, let's just turn, go back for a sec because there's a lot of stuff happening in in this scenario so for example um you know google added motion photos to the pixel 2 which essentially just takes a short movie uh while you're taking a a, an actual photo so it captures three or so seconds of the scene and you can save it separately as a as a movie when you upload it to google photos you can toggle it on and off it's kind of cool um, the, the quality isn't great, but essentially we have a processor, the Snapdragon 845, the pixel visual core, uh, the, the frame buffer in the Ram, things like that are fast enough now 
where you can capture high enough quality photos on a on an ongoing basis that when you just take this top shot, right, it it captures a whole bunch of photos at once and the quality is as good as if you were just to take a single show a single photo. Yeah. That's crazy and, I, and that's I mean, hard. It's absolutely next level stuff and it happens without you needing to bother with anything. If you like the photo you took, that's fine. And all the extra stuff, like that's whatever, it's uploaded to Google Photos, doesn't matter. But if you take that photo and you don't like it, you can just get alternate versions. Now, of course, you know, Apple's doing something similar. Samsung doesn't quite go to that level. It just tells you that the photo was bad and then you have to take a new one. This just happens in the background. Um, okay. And, and I guess like... And I got to talk about the zooming in a second. Don't let no, me get no, past no. the zoom. I, I, I want to <laughs> just also talk about how um, how integral Google Photos is to this whole thing, right? Because, you, you know, when you talk about the Pixel taking amazing photos and all of these new f- features, right? Night Sight, Top Shot... You cannot talk about them without going into the work Google Photos is doing to present these photos in an intuitive way, right? And and we've talked about this for years, that Google Photos is the front end for Google's camera app and is the front end for Google's um, incredible HDR plus processing and the cloud processing and everything involved here. But when you upload these photos, which whether you like it or not, I mean, you can say no, but you probably shouldn't happen automatically. It uploads to Google photos, unlimited high quality photos for life. All of these new features are just going to be there. And Mm -hmm. I think to me, that is just as important as the features themselves. And it's, it's going to be on your smart display in your kitchen if you have one. It's going to be on your TV with your Chromecast if you have one. Uh, it, we'll get to this in a minute. It'll show up on your phone itself or other phones when they're on the Pixel Stand wireless charger. Spoiler. Like it, it's this whole thing. Yeah. Um, so, it, it's it, yeah, you're right. It's very important to have that. You know, the, these aren't just viewed on the phone. Okay, talk about uh, that. Talk, talk about the um the the digital zoom because as we know <laughs> for some reason there are two cameras on the front here but only one on the back <laughs> and this was the one thing that had uh Hayato and I in in this meeting just like mouth wide open uh and they were just kind of smirking as they gave me the details on this because it's so genius so when you digital you use digital zoom on the pixel 3 or 3xl you only have 12 megapixels so it gets pretty grainy pretty quickly when you digitally zoom all these other cameras have a 2x telephoto to start with and then they have you know 12 or 16 megapixels from there what the camera does is when you start to digitally zoom when you take a photo it uses that multi-frame processing to take several frames, you know, in very quick succession into the buffer and it syncs them up with the data that it receives from your hand 
moving around and the OIS for the camera moving around and it layers them on top of each other, knowing the position of the phone and the position when each frame was captured and it overlays them together to recreate the resolution that you lost by digitally zooming. And the result is that you can look at like an 8X or a 10X digitally zoomed photo, which is typically looks like an oil painting or looks like, you know, 8-bit pixel art. And it makes it look like 2X digital zoom instead. I'm not, it's not like it makes it look like it hasn't been zoomed, but it looks 5X, 8X better than you would ever expect it to with with digital zoom as it is today. And that it's only going to get better and better and better because of Google Lens. And that's and that's just insane. That's like who thinks of this stuff? And they're they're so deep into this that if you prop up your phone, you know, you prop it up against something against a wall to take a photo at you know, at night zoomed in or you use a tripod the camera will move the OIS manually to recreate the same effect, to effects, uh, effectively move the camera just imperceptibly left, right, up, down in order to create the same effect to give you this extra resolution. Do you remember the first pixel why they couldn't have OIS because of the way they did video stabilization? Yeah. This is the complete opposite. They've done a, a complete complete 180 and not only figured it out are using it to benefit yeah and that's amazing this is the kind of crazy stuff that that you're not getting somewhere else and it's it's not something that you even have to think about you do you know you're one of those people that digitally zooms you need to see the thing and now it's just not going to look bad anymore you don't have to care I mean, it's still it's still gonna look bad. Like, let's 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 not be. It'll look like I said. It'll look like r- roughly like two x digital zoom, right? Not exactly. like garbage. Okay, so I mean, there's nothing. This isn't going to replace. Okay, let's be honest. If you had a telephoto lens, then it would probably look slightly better. Well, but here's maybe. Well, I'll, I'll here's the thing. Except for Samsung, nobody else is doing telephoto with OIS. Sure. Well, no, uh, Apple's doing it with the iPhone 10. Well, whatever. Uh, even, yes, even Apple and Samsung, they're doing telephoto with F24, F26, whatever, F28. Those photos, uh, you're getting more. It's a situation where even those cameras, when you zoom, and the light is anything but perfect, it digitally crops on the main sensor anyway. It's not even using the telephoto lens. I don't think many people realize this. Most of the time when you zoom, it's not using the second lens because it knows that digital zooming with an F1.6 lens is way better than not digitally zooming with an F2.6 lens because the photo is going to be even worse in the end. Google isn't 100% making up the gap. There are definitely areas where a second lens, could you imagine if Google was doing this kind of cool stuff with two sensors and two lenses? But they're making up enough of the difference that it doesn't matter so much. And like I said, this is going to get better because of the Google Lens software. Uh, Everybody knows what the Welcome to Vegas sign looks like. Google Lens knows what that looks like too. If you zoom in on it, it can nail it. 
All right, let's talk about um, some of the other features here. This is not just a, f- a camera. Uh, there are, you know, there, as Jerry said, there's Google Lens built in. There's the dual front-facing cameras, regular and wide-angle. You can, uh, it enables portrait mode. Um, Has uh, autofocus. I mean, these are for people who love taking selfies. It's going to be awesome. The Pixel 2 with one lens on the front took better selfies than any other phone I've ever seen. Um, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's incredible the kinds of photos it took. So I'm actually kind of excited about this. Vloggers are going to love this. Um, the The photos looked really good and they have really good lens correct distortion correction for the wide angle. Nice, so nice. your face, your face doesn't look all like balloony and, and wide when you use the wide angle, it corrects it just like anybody that uses Lightroom can do lens correction mm-hmm. for a wide angle lens. L- let's just go through the, the talking points for these two phones. So the small, the baby pixel three is a 5.8 inch phone, right? This is nope. 5.5. I got that wrong. Sorry. Sorry. 5.5 inch phone, 18 by nine aspect ratio. So two by one. Mm. Um, so it's, there's no longer a 16 by nine pixel, which is fine. Right. We're done with that. Um, <laughs> Welcome no. to 2016. Well, what I mean, like, no, because I mean, there's only 12 gazillion billion 16 by nine movies and apps out there. So, you know, let's not write it off yet. You're saying they will come back at some point with a 16 by nine pixel. No, I'm saying that, they display better at a native screen aspect ratio. Uh, what a purist. Yeah, I'm just going to groan into the microphone about that. Yeah, you go ahead and groan. I hate that skinny tall crap. Okay, so skinny tall crap aside, it's um, it's it's the same size as the baby Pixel 2. It's actually, it's actually smaller. smaller. Just, it, just barely smaller, which is absolutely insane. Because they could have made it larger. That nobody was holding them to keep making it smaller, but they just made the screen taller, and then they made it a little narrower, a little shorter, and a little thicker. I think though the market was. I think it's smart of them not to go any bigger, because there's maybe the segment of the market that doesn't want a giant phone isn't that big anymore. But they can advertise, look, an even bigger screen, and the phone is still small. The more they can do that, the more eyeballs they're going to get. Yeah, that also gave them, as Daniel is just about to do, but I'm cutting him off, (laughs) this gave them the ability to to keep the larger one large. The larger one is large. News at 11. Um, the yeah. the larger one is also notched. I, I don't know if you've seen any of the leaks of the last few months. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've heard any of the controversy around the deep neck bathtub size notch. I love this analogy. It's got a six. I love the bathtub 6. analogy. Six point one inch, eighteen by nine notch on the display. <laughs> it's it's a big notch. It is. It's six point three inch, eighteen point five by nine. The notch is not very wide, but it is considerably deeper than the V40s. And it does give it a very asymmetrical look because the bottom bezel is reduced from the Pixel 2 XL, but it's not that small because it still has front-facing speakers. But, you know, uh, real quick, because you know I'm going to rant on the notch, but this is going to be quick. 
I've seen photos of the device. I haven't held it in my hand. The notch doesn't have to be that big. So this is a little bit of throwback back to developers need a phone with a double-sized notch. Google has to provide those developers something. I don't think they have to provide the developers anything other than well, <laughs> a nice-looking phone. But I, they did support I, I, I it. I want to feel that. They, want, they supported yeah. it with Android Pie. They wanted to make it easier for developers to build apps that support the notch. Why not make the biggest notch in human history? This is a Guinness Book well, of World Records winner, guys. Un- this until is... Asus makes another. <laughs> <laughs> well, so my only issue, I am a, you could call me a notch apologist, even, whatever. I'm okay with the notch. The only thing that just gets my goat on this I, notch I is it's, well, it's maybe, I don't know, it's twice as tall as the V40's notch, effectively, so the status bar icons yep. are only half as tall as the notch. So they didn't put the status bar icons top weighted. They center weighted them so that there's kind of half a row of icons high on top of the icons and below the icons. And I have some hilarious <laughs> photos of the Google sign-in page because a lot of the phones I was using didn't have a Google account on them. And it's white all the way to the top. And then there's a blue bar at the top because they expect it to have just no more screen up there. And then these two white bunny ears on the top left and right that are massive because the black icons barely fill up any space in them. I actually have that picture open right now. That's how I knew what (laughs) you were going to say because, oh, my God, what the hell were they smoking? That's that's weird looking. And and you know what? I'll bet that's something they adjust. Uh, I'm sure it'll get I'm, better, but I mean, the physical, uh, the, the incumbent, the, it's just, it's not, anyway, I, I'm not the first person to be, um, down on the notch, but I feel like, I feel like it's not worth it because there's so many other aspects of this phone, these phones that are interesting. Um, and the notch is not Yeah, let's one talk of them. about the rest of the design yeah, beyond this the is, notch. There's so much so more int- here. Okay, so wireless charging is back after a Nexus 5, uh, how long? Um, 2013. A, a long five time. Five-year hiatus. Yeah. That's cool, right? Um, and the, y- yeah. the way that they're doing it is awesome because... People were uh, speculating that the glass is painted. It's not painted. It's ju- it's very, very similar to the V40 in Moroccan blue. It's etched. It has, it's like that, fr- it's like frosted glass that you have in a bathroom window that faces the outside. You want it to be frosted so, you know, people can't see in. This is, it's colored glass in the back. So the color comes through directly. It looks exactly the same as a Pixel 2, but they've rounded off the corners of the etched portion, and the etched portion is only on the flat part. It's not on the curves. So you get this really nice panel of textured matte material that you can hold on to, but then the rest of the glass just flows around it, flows into the sides, connects with the metal on the sides seamlessly. So it's a really nice way to add the grip, remove the fingerprints without you know, compromising wireless charging. And it will, yeah, it will grab a charger, too. Remember yep. the Nexus 4? How we used to make them dance across the table? Well. 
Yeah, I'm dealing with that right now. Um, I got the Sony Xperia XE3 in for review the other day. And like the the Xperia XE2 and many others, this thing slides all over my wireless charger. I need to use one of those, um, the Samsung convertibles that prop it up and have a little etch in the bottom. But yeah, let's talk about the Pixel Stand because this is $79 and it's expensive, but it does some cool stuff. Yeah, this looks cool. So it's very, I mean, to Jerry's point there about the grippiness, it's it has this soft touch grippy material and it's very well planted because it has the same kind of um, silicone base as the Google Home Mini Google Home. So it's, it's, it's actually very brightly colored too. Little Easter egg, flip over the Pixel stand. Uh, but it's this very, in Google's way of doing things, very simple stand that's just little base with a little nubbin at the bottom to hold the phone and then a skinny stand that's much narrower than the phone so that when you set it on it it just looks like it's floating there complete opposite to samsung stands that are these huge egg-shaped things that you know protrude on both sides and here's the thing it's just a chi stand at the base of it the you can charge the Pixel 3s on any Qi pad. You can charge a Galaxy Note 9 on the Pixel stand. But it also has some little special chips in it that enable the Pixel to do more things when it's placed on a Pixel stand versus any other Qi stand. So when you put it on there, it turn it doesn't turn into a smart display per se, but it turns into kind of a Google Assistant dashboard kind of thing where it shows some very simple stuff, very similar to the Google assistant feed. And it gives you an option to just press a button and start talking to it or press a button and go directly to your upcoming events. And you can also configure it to cycle through all these beautiful photos that you've taken and cycle through some extra information and things like that. Um, It's, it's just a very googly thing that it's, it's an elegant stand. It's elegant software. It's really expensive. I mean, this this is like the whole Google package all in one. <laughs> and, and yes, by the time you're listening to this, I will have emails out to find out about any APIs or ways developers can tap into this. Definitely seems like something yes. that somebody's going to be able to hack very quickly. All right, let's talk about uh, the screens. Obviously, this was a big deal in the Pixel 2 XL, less so in the Pixel 2 uh, Andrew, you said that Google has calibrated the two screens to be identical and that they've made a concerted effort yes. to improve the quality of the OLED screens on both. Let's talk about them. Yeah, this is pretty huge. So the rest of the hardware, very, very similar to the the Pixel 2 2 XL. The displays are like another just light years ahead. That's also, again, it's because the Pixel 2 and 2XL were pretty bad. But they're not saying that they're the same manufacturer, but they are saying, uh, and there are, of course, differences with one having the notch, one not. But they are saying that they calibrated them specifically to look the exact same. It's kind of like a painting the back of the fence thing. Nobody's going to look at them side by side. Uh, you know, it doesn't really matter. But what they're really trying to say there is that no matter which one you choose, you're getting a really good display. So here are the basics. They did lots of extra calibration so that the displays themselves are at their core accurate. 
They're very, very accurate display panels. That's one thing that they were at great pains to explain. We know everybody talks about what's accurate, what's not. You know, a software tuning can make a big difference. But having a good slate to start with is really important. Something that's capable of being accurate is important. Now, on top of that, they're not shipping the phones in like a super accurate mode. None of these phones come in a super accurate mode because most people don't want that. They have a new calibration or a new software setting, new software calibration in Pi that's called Adaptive Display. This is on by default. It's effectively like the old saturated mode, but it takes into account what saturated did to lots of things. Light skin tones looked really bad. Dark skin tones got really crushed. The, neither one of those things was were good. The reds were way blown out of proportion. So adaptive mode is understanding what most people look at on their phones and kind of taming the highs and the lows and taming the reds and oranges so they're not so crazy like kind of clown shoes uh, all the time. You can still choose the boosted mode, which is just accurate, you know, plus like a 10% kind of saturation boost, uh, which a lot of people used on the Pixel 2. And then there's natural, which they were extremely, uh, you know, adamant about the fact that this is your 100% RGB. And the fact that the display itself is really good to start with, this should look way better than even the Pixel 2 did you know, with its kind of crazy modes turned on. They looked really, really, really good to my eyes. Very similar to the V40, very similar to the latest Samsung phones. Um, They took an extreme amount of time to talk about off-axis viewing, which we know was really bad on the Pixel 2 and 2XL especially. Um, Off-axis viewing does not get as far off of white as you, I mean, OLED always has some kind of an off-axis problem. You get color banding in blue or red across the screen. Much less of that, much lighter. Um, all these little things added up a lot to the screen just no longer, I mean, for me, no longer being such a talking point, which I think is what Google wants. Yeah, they just wanted to exist within the ecosystem. They just want it to not <laughs> suck. Yeah, they, they want every dis- review to say the displays are great and then be done. And they they didn't want, I mean, we'll probably have heard about this by the time this podcast comes out, but they didn't want to say that DisplayMate was going to say good things about their displays, but they were very confident that DisplayMate would have good things to say about their displays. Uh, they're only talking about, you're going to see this number of 400 nits thrown out there that they're talking about having 400 nits of brightness and you think that's really low. But remember that there's a big difference between having 400 nits available for a full display versus having 800 nits advertised, but it's only for 10% of the display. A lot of these numbers that you see, like the Note 9 is capable of like 1,000 or 1,100 nits. That's for 1% of the display at any given time. So you can have 1% of the display area up to 1,000 nits. That's awesome except for you want to look at the other 99% usually. So I don't know exactly how bright it's going to look in, in, you know, broad daylight, you know, two o'clock on a summer afternoon. But right now I could turn it up much brighter than my eyes wanted to see it indoors. That's a, that's a good start for me. Um, 
otherwise the specs are pretty similar to the pixel twos except for the battery yeah. so let's talk batteries because i know for uh you know for me i preferred the baby pixel 2 over the 2xl for a lot of reasons i love Same. the size but the battery life was um it was it was trash it was a it was a dumpster fire it was it was <laughs> oh, it you're was so the delicate. worst thing i've ever seen in my life um can we expect better battery from both of these phones so there, they acknowledge the battery is bad on the Pixel 2. They upped it by almost 10%. It's up to 2915 milliamp hours, which is still a little on the low side. But, you know, this is still a compact phone. They couldn't even get 3,000. I mean, even the Galaxy S9 couldn't has 3,000, apparently. <laughs> That's like the baseline. Right. They, I would, yeah, I told the exact same thing to them. I said 3,000 would have been nice, but... 5.5 inch phone. They didn't make the phone any bigger. It's still light, 148 grams. It's really light, but they think that 10% larger battery plus Android 9 having lots of battery saving features can hopefully kind of get them back to the, the full day range because the Pixel and Pixel 2 were just not. I mean, love those phones, but if I needed to do anything you know, throughout the day, the thing, the things were dead. So I'm withholding judgment for now, but I'm, I don't have my, you know, I'm not expecting it to be amazing. The pixel. I mean, the only other thing you can say here is that the pixel three XL dropped by 90 milliamp hours, pretty inconsequential, but they didn't increase the pixel three XL. So it sounds like, okay, we can drop just a tiny bit, you know, give the a haircut to the, pixel 3xl's battery and we think that the software changes there are gonna more than make up that difference well, and then maybe by adding up you well, have that much less lcd to light up maybe by doing you know maybe by adding a little bit of battery to the small one and android 9's uh battery adaptive battery controls maybe it can get up there that's the one part of the spec sheet that i have a problem with other people are going to complain about uh four gigs of ram I'm not uh, one of those people, but people will complain. Hey, all right, and you know what I like? Do, do, there's there's one spec we didn't talk about that I'm really excited about. Pink, no, not, not pink. pink no, it's pink. It's pink. Don't 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 tell me my eyes are liars. That that wraps up the the hardware. To talk about colors: black, white, and not pink, which is the one that everybody's calling sand, but it's definitely not called sand. It doesn't <laughs> look like sand. Uh, it is a beigey, it, it looks everything between, depending on the lighting, it looks everything from slightly off white to like blood, like deep blush. Yeah. Pink. You, I, I saw a couple of pictures. It looks like almost like old apple rose gold colors. And that was, yeah. yeah. Yep. I really like Like that. the glass parts of that. Yep. But of course, it's applied to everything. It's applied to the glass, the matte part, the metal. Uh, you know, it's applied to everything. And they're doing the nice off uh, accented colors. So you have like a mint, it's like a mint green button on the white one and an orange button on the pink one, which is just cool. I kind of bounce back and forth. I love the look of the white one because it's just all white. And we should say that there's no changes in colors between the two sizes. 
So there's no more exclusive colors. There's no more Panda pixel versus an all white ah. pixel. It's the same three colors in all the, and uh, all the storage sizes, all the phone sizes, colors. It's just across the board, which is awesome. The black is really nice. The white's really nice, but people are going to go for the pink or not pink. It's, it's very, it's very nice. It's not like, you know, froofy Barbie. Pink. Right. It's not my yeah, Nokia it, it, N9 pink. It's, it's a nice. No. So I, it's very, I know that cool. the name of the just black phone is just black, but I mean, they missed an opportunity to put a red power button on there. I'm just saying, yes, it would have been so cool to see that red and black. Oh, agree. So, it would have been great, but we have our mint with our white that that should be a nice backup i'm i'm gonna get the black because andrew you said that um it's a little bit grippier and it's it's kind of nicer to hold there's just a little bit more texture to it because of we've talked about this time and time again light colors and texture don't mix it's hard to manufacture Uh, so there's just a little bit more a little bit more grip to the to the black one and the the black one's classy it it looks really nice i'm fond of the white one We'll see which one Google gives me to review. Uh, I have a feeling they won't hand out pink ones because that's maybe a little too polarizing. The white ones do have black glass fronts, so you don't have to deal with that. Let's just talk about the different strategies, right? Like you got a black LG V40. We typically from Samsung, we get like their black, which is, you know, not the more standout colors. We didn't, nobody got the blue Note 9 with the yellow S Pen for review, right? We just got the blue Oh, you did. Okay. So I I got the black one. Yes. Um, Everybody I know got got a black one. But when they didn't see many purple um, ones. When Apple gives out their review devices, they always just give out the newest color, which is in this year, uh, that gold color. And I would be shocked if Google didn't do the same. They have a very similar kind of marketing strategy around their phones where they want people to know the the way that they differentiate. and I'm, I would be surprised if some of the influencers slash reviewers don't get that not pink color for review. Yeah, I, I, I know of, you know, a, a couple names right off the top of my head on YouTube that would do it would be wise to get them a not pink version. And Google has all this data of of, you know, what consumers look at, where they get their information about new phones. So they know this. And Google is complementing these with uh, another slate of good uh, fabric style, you know, very earthy feeling cases that you can kind of do uh, offset colors. And there there are lots of earth tones, lots of grays, oranges, greens mixed, uh, you know, like you have uh, like sand colored ones that have like specks of orange in them. And the power button on the case is offset color. You know, they're really Mm. good at this material yeah. color stuff i'm here looking I, I ordered an orange case for my pixel 2 and never got it so i'm here looking at google <laughs> there, it shipped there's 50 there's 50 dollars and i never got it well we'll we'll make sure you get your um your your orange case I, with your I'm not gonna, pink pixel 2 i'm gonna pixel have to 3. look at all my neighbors and see if they've got like an orange coaster out in the deck or something um <laughs> andrew Finally, uh, we want to wrap this up. Let's talk pricing and availability. So a lot of people thought this year Google would expand their carrier rollout. They would go to AT&T, T-Mobile, something. 
but alas, Verizon continues to be the exclusive carrier partner. Did they give you uh, a reason for that, or is it just kind of Project Fi is their baby? Uh, it just there was no reasoning one way or the other. It's just like this is what it is. Um, it's again, it's available in Best Buy, but that is the quote unquote Verizon version. Um, they're not going to be very happy to sell it to you without having a Verizon line active. Uh, but you can buy it unlocked from from the Google Store, and of course, you can get it from Project Fi. It still has eSIM, uh, which is cool. I like eSIM switching between my pixels. Um, yeah, I would love to see if they, uh, you know, we could probably count on T-Mobile doing a bring your pixel to T-Mobile, you know, get a bill credit kind of thing. But I would love to see T-Mobile stock this thing. Um, AT&T, like, Sure, I just don't know if Google wants to play ball with AT and T, but it, you know if they could get two out of four by getting T Mobile and Verizon, then you know maybe you know stop fighting with Amazon, sell it on Amazon, you know all kinds of cool stuff. But it, here's the thing: I think they just know that they're not going to. I already recorded my kind of uh, video on this that we're working on, and I said. Google knows the thing's not going to sell in volume. If it really cared about volume, it would make compromising right. deals to put these out on all the carriers and it decided not to. And if you look at this thing and you really like it, buy the thing unlocked for 24 easy monthly payments with no interest from the Google store. I, that's what they're going to hope people do. Oh, I can picture the conversation went, what, you mean Verizon wants to carry it again? Shh, don't piss them off. <laughs> Yeah, they look, they've had a good deal. Like they've had a good thing going with Verizon. Yep. Verizon pushes the Pixel or has pushed the Pixel 2 and 2XL really hard. They push it with really aggressive trade-in deals, uh half-off device installment plans. You know, you've been able to pick up a Pixel 2 for 300 bucks yep. many, many times over the last uh 10 months. And, and we and we we've seen, you know, on and off that they're the highest selling phone of a month would be the pixel on Verizon, which is insane. So they, they do good work there. I'm just kind of surprised that they didn't uh, strike something up with T-Mobile, but I would encourage people to give project Fi a look and maybe just consider buying the thing unlocked. Uh, We try that every time. It doesn't, it doesn't always work. Well, it's they finance. It's just like buying it through your carrier. Exactly. They do. Zero down, zero percent financing, yeah. but pr- but price talk price um, a little bit more expensive for both models this year, but in particular for the Pixel Three, seven ninety nine for the base Pixel Three. So that's a hundred and fifty dollars more than the Pixel Two, and that that hurts a little bit. But let's be real: the this is the exact same phone as the XL version. It other than the necessity of it has a smaller screen, smaller battery. Everything else is exactly the same. I took so many photos of these two phones, and when I scrub back through the photos, I cannot figure out which one is which because unless you're looking at the front. I mean, the, these phones are identical. There's no cheapness about you know the quote unquote small one. And the thing has a five and a half inch screen. It's not that small. So. They they bumped the price. I think that people are going to scoff at it <laughs> uh, for the small one, other than the purists that want the small phone. Um, the Pixel 3 XL is now $899. So that bumped up 
you know, less considerably. Uh, but it's still much more expensive, even though they're still both just uh, 64 gigs of storage, whereas we just saw the Note 9, of course, is at a 1,000-ish, at a went to 128. But $100 extra on either one of those will get you 128. So you're talking about 899 for a Pixel 3 with 128 or 999 for a Pixel 3 XL with 128. I mean, Google is, they're going premium. Y'all, this is not, I mean, if you had any thoughts that they would stick with the same price or, you know, just go simple, they're they're not going to. Um, they're including headphones in a headphone adapter in the box now. There you go. There's some of your $150 back. Uh, but they're clearly not going for a value proposition wait, here. Wait, they're, they're going for quality. Are they USB-C headphones? Yes. Okay, when you said headphones with an adapter, I started to boil inside. Uh, <laughs> they have USB-C headphones and a USB-C okay. to 3.5 millimeter adapter in the okay. box. Um, you know, they're doing those kind of things, which is cool. But they're clearly going after, I mean, look, we just talked about, you know, is the V40 worth 920 to 980? Um, I'd say the Pixel 3 XL is is worth that price range. Uh, that does not mean that it's not going to completely price people out. I mean, there were the the thing the nice thing about the Pixel Two Two XL pricing was six forty nine was attainable for the small one. If you wanted to get into that camera, you wanted to get into that software, you could maybe you know, there was some deal going on. You could get it for five ninety nine. Like that was more attainable. And the three XL was that you know one hundred and twenty dollar jump or whatever it was. Now it's like baseline, boom, eight hundred dollars. That's just what you're going to have to pay. You're going to pay unlocked. The Pixel Three is more expensive than the Galaxy S Nine Plus. Over and under that, they'll keep the Pixel Two for six months and sell it cheaper. I would be shocked if they continue to sell the Pixel Two. Yeah, I don't think they will this year either. But I know that that's something that they're going to have to do eventually. Verizon might have some to sell well, for you for yeah, $150. But I mean, like like Apple does. You can still buy the iPhone 8 brand new with a full sure. full warranty, which is smart. See, they they clearly just don't care about volume. Yeah. They, they're yep. going for the big dollars. So I, I want to know what you guys haven't held seen the phones personally yet. What is your thought? I, I thought that my my first impression from Daniel was, that you weren't that impressed overall with the phone or the price with, with the phone in like in, in light no, of the I, price. I, I mean, for me, like my, my thing is, um, when do I need to spend the extra money? It would have been nice to get 128 gigs base. And I think Google probably could have gotten away yeah. with that. Um, and, and I don't, I, I'm not surprised they didn't, you know, 799 is I'm going to buy the smaller pixel three, the 64 gig. Um, that's, that's the perfect phone for me. I found the pixel two to be the right size the, the screen itself, a little small this way, this fixes that problem. Bezels are gone. still has dual front facing speakers, uh, same camera. The battery should be better. My one concern obviously is, um, you know, 64 gigs isn't a whole lot of storage anymore. And I, I find myself laughing saying that because two three years ago we were buying phones at 16 gigabytes of storage out of the box but google offers free unlimited full quality photo uploads for all pixel owners which alleviates some of that stress 
So I feel more comfortable with it. And as you said, they're the same phone other than the screen and battery size, yeah. which also reassures me. Um, what what I don't know, though, is will, will the Pixels over time start bogging down the way that the Pixel 2s did? And obviously that has nothing to do with the size of the like which phone you buy, but that's really my concern. Is this value enough to justify buying it over a Galaxy S9 Plus or um, a Note 9? Or on the other side, like we're waiting a couple of weeks until, um, you know, hopefully the OnePlus 6T comes out. Is that going to be considerably better value at, say, $550 when you get that with 64 gigs out of the box? So I don't know. It's, it's going to be a pretty hard sell starting at $799 for sure. How about you, Jerry? Uh, I think... Headphone jacks aside. Yeah, th- this is... Just the, the, the computational photography makes this the phone to buy. So excited for it. Uh, and and I'm, I'm very unimpressed with the form factor. Uh, I, I do not like the aspect ratio. I'm... I kind of like the pink color. I'm not going to lie, but I just there, there's nothing about this phone that would make me want it until I learned a little bit more about the camera. Uh, the price, I, you know, call it the Trump tax, call it the tariff tariff tax, call it whatever you want. I, you know, price every phone's going to be a hundred dollars more expensive right off the bat because the components cost a hundred dollars more. That's just how it's going to be, and even if they don't yet. And they probably won't in the few days that this podcast goes out. The people that make the components know they will eventually. So that's how the pricing works in that that game. Uh, I'm not surprised at all to see the prices increase. Uh, but I will tell you that they're not going to sell very many Pixel 3s for 800 bucks at all. Even Verizon is going to have a tough time pushing them because, as you said earlier... They're now going to be $34 a month instead of $29 a month. And for $34 a month, you can get a Note or an iPhone or Galaxy S9 Plus or whatever, whatever, whatever. And that's just going to be a problem. Last thing I'll say about it is um, I think with the third generation, if you're a Nexus slash Pixel owner and you've been a Nexus slash Pixel owner for years, you understand the value proposition going into this. You, like an iPhone owner, don't need to be told that there's value there. You just buy the Pixel right. because the camera's amazing, because the software, is ex- the software experience is amazing. Um, I don't see that, addition, like that the additional $150 being an impediment to Pixel no. loyalists. And Google not is clearly not necessarily lusting after the new potential like pixel owners here they're not they're not fooling themselves thinking that hey if i'm looking at a galaxy s9 and a pixel 2 next to each other on a verizon store i'm probably going to go with the galaxy because it's cheaper it's better looking and it has basically the same specs um i i think this is giving pixel loyalists exactly what they want Except I, I would Definitely. say this year, Pixel loyalists will probably migrate even more towards the XL because of the price. 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's just $100 difference now as opposed to yep. 150 So, yeah, you're right. Um, I mean, I'm excited to try it. This comes out when, Andrew? Uh, it comes out on the 18th. So they're going to open up pre-orders while you're listening to this podcast because everybody listens to it as soon as the podcast is released. <laughs> so it's it's available. So wait a the second. Next this don't is, order the pink one, This guys. is coming out it's ugly. the same day as the V40? R.I.P. Wow. Interesting. Okay, yeah. this will nah, be interesting. The the nah, the V forty is not going to sell in volume, but it's going to outsell the pixels, both of them. Come on, guys. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, that's a take. Well, you'll have your hands on your video, everything ready to go. Uh, Andrew, thank you. You 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 worked your butt off this week getting the V forty and the pixel uh, stuff done. So shout out to you. Yeah, thank you. Um, you traveled a lot. Shout out to Hayato. Uh, if you're listening to this, you know, our our guy in Indianapolis worked his butt off here as well. Um, he went, traveled to New York to help Mr. Mobile out shoot some of his videos and um, and then straight to Mountain View with you to shoot the, the Pixel stuff. So, you know, Hayato, you are awesome. Jerry, you're yeah, you're okay. No, I'm kidding. You're you're pretty yeah, awesome I, yourself. Ah, I, I have my moments. Do um, and everybody listening, you are awesome as well. Thank you so much for sticking with us. We are coming up on our 400th episode. We're going to have something very special for you. Uh, may not be this next week, but it'll be sometime. We'll we'll, we'll get it up for you as soon as possible. Um, and I know what it is, and I can't tell. It's it's going to be fun. Um, and, and yeah, and I, I hope I hope you enjoyed listening to this. So thank you again. We will talk to you next week and uh, so long.